Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, good people and inhabitants of planet Earth, both foreign and domestic, welcome to the Dairy Human Paradox. I'm your host, Darius Riddick, and I would like to thank you for joining me in what is nominally the next stage of evolution for humankind. On this day in history, and it, you know what? Do you all like orchestral music? Do you like symphonies? Have you ever visited or attended a, an in-person orchestral performance? If not, it is it is definitely worth uh, worth the attendance. I myself played violin for seven years throughout my adolescent life and have a deep appreciation for string instruments. Played the violin. Um, wish I could have played the viola, even the cello, which is arguably the most beautiful instrument on earth. Um, but I didn't. <laughs> so uh, in this day in history, 1824, uh, May 7th, beautiful day, Beethoven's ninth and final symphony, number nine, debuts. I don't know why I said it like that. No, symphony number nine, but it was also his ninth and final symphony. So they didn't do it. Really. He didn't do it by name. He did it by number or you know, whatever. I, I'm not truly a big Beethoven fan. I think that me personally, I'm more of a Tchaikovsky swung late kind of guy. But if you have never listened to a, 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 an orchestral piece, I suggest as your first immersion, you get into a very comfortable position into a dark room, no blue light emittance, turn off the lights, close, <laughs> don't light candles, close the, close the, uh, close the blinds, you know, no light coming in whatsoever and get some uh, noise canceling headphones so you can really get immersed. And if I had to have one, I would say <clears throat> uh, either Swan Lake or Hungarian dance. And um, even Can Can is pretty, pretty, pretty fun as far as uh, enjoyment. But I say that to to really immerse yourself into the music because th these pieces don't have words to them, which allows the mind to paint these pathways and these pictures and and explore its own personality without even putting any any words to it which is just a beautiful thing you know just as you can tell i have a very deep appreciation for this type of music but uh may 7th 1824 1824 <laughs> this is significant because for those of you that didn't know about beethoven in the decade previous to his final symphony the man actually lost his hearing um and uh as you can imagine being a composer uh having hearing essentially would be I mean, it'd be everything, right? Because if you can't hear the music, how can you really uh, compose it? How can you lead it? And, you know, it, it, this uh, alludes back to something that we discussed as far as the tenacity of human physiology and its ability to overcome certain areas versus others where, where once upon a time, something was considered a physical uh, impossibility, there's always these individuals that come along and challenge this ability to or challenge and question these theories that are impossible or improbable and say, like, you know, maybe if we just explored it, it is possible. Maybe it's only impossible because of the way that we approach it or our perspective of it. And clearly Beethoven demonstrated that because for an entire decade he composed music and with one of the largest uh uh, orchestral bodies for this this piece of work he uh he managed to to make it happen i mean and 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 i don't even really have to speak on it too much with how amazing that is but 
Symphony Number no. Nine to to date, right, stood the test of time for two hundred years. It's still considered one of the the, the greatest pieces um, and most widely recognized pieces of music. And you probably, for those of you that don't have experience with uh, string instruments or just orchestral bodies of work, <clears throat> you probably don't know it by name. But I'm sure that once you hear it, you'll be able to uh, pick it up and. I, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what else to really say about Beethoven, but I mean, there's so many different parties, so many different uh, movements that have, you know, uh, derived pieces of his work over time. There's even, even, uh, classic rock and hip hop that take pieces of Beethoven's work. So the, the need, needless to say, even though I'm going to say it anyway, kind of contradictory statement there, but to be able to lose your hearing, and to still emit your passion and your talent and your genius is is what arguably the Dura Human Paradox is all about. Because if he can do it, then whatever circumstance or situation that you may be in right now, whatever conceptual or conformal limitations that are presented to you right now today, challenge the idea that they can be overcome. And for those of you joining us for the first time, that is what we do, presenting these 26 paradoxical theories in order to challenge conceptual and conformal limitations to maximize the capability of human performance for the next stage of evolution, wherever they might, that may take us. So jumping into today's topic, now that we're kind of done <laughs> reveling in, that is uh, Beethoven. Uh we're going to continue our chat of the athlete maxim. And for those of you that are joining us for the first time that don't really know what the athlete maxim is about, you can watch the full video on YouTube in which yours truly narrates it. Um, but it is something that is also created by yours truly. And it is a compilation of codes that an elite athlete would conduct themselves by. And uh, the reason why I created the athlete maxim is for any up and coming or or struggling athletes that are trying to find their way in a specific space. And as we mentioned before, I say the word athlete, but it doesn't it doesn't mean that you have to participate in a competitive sport. It just it's this description of being under a finite microscope where you have to conduct yourself in a certain manner in order to not just represent yourself or represent you know others but to have the greatest output because it's something about uh being an elite an athlete versus an elite athlete is their ability con to conduct a certain character on and off the playing field whatever that may look like whether you're military first responder law enforcement uh volleyball player basketball player uh an endurance runner uh, a resistance-based athlete, if you're just a gym bro, if you're an enthusiast, whatever it is, whatever space you're trying to find your way in, there's a certain code of conduct that all of us have uh, kind of pieced together from both a military and a civilian standpoint. And from the military side, it was derived from the original code of conduct that uh, dictated how one should act if they were captured by uh by foreign enemies and how one should treat foreign enemies if they were to capture them. And since it is such a crucial piece of uh, character, it only made sense that it had to be applied to something that um, 
was was so that was almost that is the difference between life or death right because how you conduct yourself in the in these situations could determine whether or not you uh make it home alive and though athletes don't carry that same stigma it is something that can be translated to a greater character and conduct so uh Many, many people may not ever find themselves in that situation. And I hope that no one else ever finds themselves in that situation. But of course, that that's something that, you know, that's only hopeful wishing. Um, but this is not to meant to be something of that nature. This is meant to be, be a, a a way for someone to guide themselves. It's not a, a, a must. It's just something that you can use to make make it makes sense okay so um if you're not familiar with that go through and check the rest of the articles again this is not just something i i could do myself so uh, i have to give thanks to i've president eisenhower of course <laughs> the, the man who first put it into into uh into writing uh from the beginning but all the athletes that continue to demonstrate themselves day in and day out and represent truly what it means to be elite on so many levels right there's there's a level of respect that i have for all of you that i would not be able to go around and shake each and every single one of your hands and um <clears throat> without you, you know, we wouldn't have created the maxim and and really set the foundation for athletes in the future so article four of the athlete maxim is morality and it goes a little something like this the elite athlete must understand that their morality not only dictates respect for them but for their opponents it governs the system of values and framework of their conduct despite the duality of right and wrong the respect that drives their performance must be shaped with moral distinction the balance of efficacy of themselves and their opponents poetic <laughs> i always i always end it with uh poetic because it's us it's, it's such a powerful body of text um and i'm not just saying that because i wrote it but <laughs> let's let's move on from that okay uh so when we talk again we discuss uh the purpose of the elite athlete and when we but when we really speak on morality uh we're specifically talking about integrity and that just defines what you do when no one is looking but also what you do when everyone is looking because the chances of an athlete uh, an elite athlete being under the competitive microscope is very high right so when we talk about this idea of morality and we won't get into too much the the wins versus losses because that that is that is in the next article but how should one conduct themselves on enemy territory and how should one conduct themselves or treat an enemy on their territory and when we say enemy obviously we're talking about the competitor but even if you are in a single person sport and the only competition is yourself how is it that you treat yourself when it's time to compete and that's why we included this balance of efficacy because self-efficacy by definition defines an individual's belief in his or her capacity to execute behaviors necessary to produce specific performance attainments 
or outcomes. In psychology, self-efficacy is an individual's belief in their capacity to act in the ways necessary to reach specific goals. So it is clear that elite athletes have to have a certain level of self-efficacy in order to reach a specific outcome, which of course the goal is typically to win, but in some sports, maybe that's like marathon running or, ooh, can't think of any more off the top of my head right now. <laughs> that was the biggest one that came to mind because that's the one I was just talking to, to, to someone about, but it could be just to, to, ah, bodybuilding. That's another one. That's another good one, actually. Um, to complete it. There, there, there are so many people who have taken on sports or have tried different things and they have talked themselves out of it before they have even gotten to, uh, to, to starting it, um, let alone finishing it. And that doesn't have to do with environmental or external influences that has to do chiefly based on psychology with self-efficacy and the language that one uses when talking to themselves. And we will talk about, we, we will discuss that later because I can understand how that phrase alone sounds really, really flipping weird. All right. But it, efficacy simply defines if you believe that you are able to accomplish something, because it doesn't matter if someone else believes it, it's about you creating the internal drive and the internal fortitude to accomplish it. And an, and an elite athlete has to maintain that level of self-efficacy both against the competition and when the competition does not exist. Because in some form, internally, there will always be that dynamic and that dilemma. And of course, the most difficult part between of this whole thing is <clears throat> this next phrase, which despite the duality of right and wrong, the respect that drives their performance must be shaped with moral distinction. One of the greatest athletes that I, I don't I don't want to mention her name because she she <laughs> she's very humble, but she uh, was one of the first people that told me um, during my athletic career to operate with a moral compass. Um, you may see your teammates talking trash about everybody else. You may seen the, see them try to uh, try to uh, treat the other team as if they are lesser or try to sabotage them in some way. And uh, unfortunately, that's not the character of an elite athlete. Elite athletes operate with moral distinction and a moral compass, which dictates that their path, if they do things right and optimize their performance, their mindset, their spirituality, their strength, their condition, then they don't have to sabotage anyone else's performance. They don't have to talk trash about anyone else. They show up to perform they have put in the work and they're going to come out on top. And if they don't come out on top, then they're going to analyze their, their weak points and come back to claim victory. And I think that is arguably one of the most difficult portions of morality because it, it deals with the dialectic conflict of, of human behavior. And though there's a whole discipline, a whole school of study dedicated to this from the most simplest and most potent form for elite athlete performance. <clears throat> it guides the framework for for conduct. So we talk about the balance of efficacy for self 
in the balance of moral distinction for opponents. And though there is a lot of environmental factors that can go into that, which we will discuss a lot more later on, the the commonality, the conclusion is that when you put in the work, when an elite athlete checks all the boxes, goes above and beyond and does what's right through self, through purpose, through practice and through the treatment of those that may be on the other team, they don't have a need to be cruel. They don't have a need to sabotage their respect for self in sport is what's going to guide them to victory. But until next time, stay durable, my friends.